Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. I am your host, Jared Feinberg, along with my co-host, Devin Jackson. Devin, my first podcast with you. I hope it goes well. You ready to get after it, my guy? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to, to be a part of this podcast. Uh, you know, something me and you have been talking about over the last week or two. Um, you know, getting mm-hmm. prepped for this and excited to talk more football. I, I love doing podcasts, love talking football, breaking down uh, prospects, uh, talking about anything related to football. So ex- excited to be here, excited to get this started. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm glad to be your co-host. I appreciate it, man. You know, a couple of weeks ago when I first was thinking of ideas or stuff to do, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do a podcast. And I did some YouTube stuff when I was a lot younger, um, probably in like my freshman year of high school in eighth grade. Um, I was like a lost interest and, you know, I've always been like, I've given my takes and stuff on articles and on Twitter and all that, but you know, I'd like to save more takes for a podcast. And I started coming up with ideas. I tweeted out about an idea for a podcast a few weeks ago. And now here today, and for folks listening at home, um, you'll be listening to this on hopefully Thursday or Friday. here doing a podcast um i'm hoping it goes really well um it should go really well because devin you my guy we rocking out here ready to go so devin go ahead and uh introduce the fans who you are yeah so uh like you said my name is devin jackson uh my day job when i'm not you know on twitter you know bringing down film uh, I am a reporter for a local news station in Pennsylvania. Um, but, you know, journalism is something that I've always wanted to be a part of, something I've always been interested in. Uh, so obviously that's kind of my first career path. But, you know, starting last year, I, I kind of jumped into draft Twitter world and uh, breaking down players, scouting players, and, uh, you know, trying to interview uh, the up-and-coming prospects. And, uh, you know, just watching a ton of film. Um, and me and you are both a part of Blue Chip Scouting. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've been here uh, probably about uh, about five months or so. I came about February-ish, been there, uh, I, I believe, a little bit longer. Uh, but we're building something really great at Blue Chip Scouting. All of us uh, know our stuff, always have healthy debates, uh, healthy conversations within our own group. And uh, just putting out great content for y'all. So this is just another avenue, in my opinion, to, um, you know, to talk football. Uh, I got my own uh, podcast with uh, Mike Kernish. He also works with Lucha Scouting with me and you. And, uh, you know, we, we talk ball there. But like I said, any, any chance I get to talk ball and talk more football and prospects, I'm always welcome to do it. And uh, always hearing other takes and other opinions because everybody doesn't have the same takes, you know. So I think that this right. what makes draft Twitter so unique and, and so uh, willing to be a part of. Yeah, I'm here, dude. So everyone, let me introduce myself. If you don't know me already, my name is Jared Feinberg. Um, I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I've been raised here in Asheville. Um, I love it here in Western North Carolina. Um, Always repping the the 828. 
as Devin has mentioned, uh, we both work for bluechipscouting.com. We do draft content. Uh, I do also a little bit of Carolina Panthers content as I am a big Panthers fan. And also just overall, I've, for years I have loved football and being able to write about football, write about the NFL draft, watch draft prospects, um, doing all that, it, it's such a pleasure to do. And I hope one day it's something I can do for a living. And in a sense, it kind of is what I do for a living, but it's more of a hobby than more of a job. Um, so, you know, being able to be a host of a podcast, um, it's, it's special, mainly because of the ideas that we can talk about with each other. Um, mainly, this podcast is going to be about just talking football, talking about the NFL draft, talking about your New Orleans Saints, talking about my Carolina Panthers. We're going to bring on um, guests, as many guests as we can, um, onto this podcast. We already have quite a few guys that are lined up, um, ready to go, potentially. Um, and also, we'll probably end up talking about a little bit of the NBA, a little bit of Major League Baseball, you know, just because their sports are starting to come back up again um, because of being delayed or being postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has affected both of our lives and everyone else's. But yeah, to, to kind of just pick off what you were saying, uh, you know, talking about, you know, my Saints and Panthers and you know, obviously kind of everything that's going on, like you said, COVID-19 has affected quite a bit. Um, you know, specifically if we dive into college football, uh, the, the SWAC and, and um, I can't even think of the other conference, but a couple of HBCU conferences have already gone to the spring. Uh, it's a MEAC and SWAC. Um, it, so COVID-19 is already starting to affect seasons. Uh, you know, conference teams are only playing each other you know, it's no out-of-conference game, so we don't get to see uh, Oregon and, and uh, North Dakota State, Oregon, Ohio State, um, you know, kind of two of the bigger matchups uh, going to the season. You know, Oregon gets to play uh, arguably two of the top three quarterbacks in the 2021 class. That's not happening anymore. Um, so things are starting to dwindle down a little bit. NFL is starting to get their things together. They finally have a testing protocol for COVID-19. Um, so that, that's, a, that's always a good sign, but, you know, it's still kind of in flux, you know, um, even some of the guys who scouted in the last draft cycle, uh, there's going to be a lot of UDFA guys that won't be making the roster simply because mm -hmm. COVID-19 has affected the preseason and, and practices and such. So it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the next few weeks will kind of shape, because uh, I feel like the next couple of weeks are going to be the most crucial, especially for the NFL, college football, and whether or not we get a season or not this this upcoming year, um, so hopefully we get it. Um, we've been we've been grinding all summer, uh, grinding, mm -hmm. tape, getting ready for this this time, and now it, the time is here, and hopefully we we get to see it. So, if you've seen on Twitter, I've been very optimistic that we will have a college football season. We will have an season. I'm still very optimistic that we will have both college football and NFL football this year. I cannot imagine a fall without football and it would kill me and it would drive me nuts if it was in spring, even though having spring football and also fall football 
it wouldn't be too bad, but you know, it's failing for what the players have to go through would it wouldn't compare to what a lot of people think. So, you know, how COVID nineteen has affected our lives and it's affected athletes from the high school level all the way to the professional level. It's really just taken a grasp of everything. It, I was talking with my mom earlier today and you know, she was like, there's there's nothing that COVID nineteen has not touched. Like it it has affected everything that we have done or everything that we do on a daily basis. It normal our way of normalcy probably won't be back until until we get a vaccine, if we get a vaccine, you know? I am hopeful we get a vaccine by the time um, this ne- uh, by the time this year this part of the year comes around next summer because I want to ha- I want to do things like I want to go to Mobile, Alabama, um, I want to go to the Senior Bowl, and having to wait another year is going to kill me. Um, and then like just wanting to go on trips and going to games like going to a Clemson game annually, uh, going to a Panthers game, like, you know, that's stuff I really want to do and not being able to do it this year, it, it really does suck. Um, and I've seen on Twitter lately that the way the league, the NFL, and the Players Association have been talking, some people have been comparing it to how um, it went with Major League Baseball and the players association in that league and i'm like does it really compare like does it was more like the the commissioner saying like like trying to put a chokehold on the players association all the players and saying you will we will have a season but you're going to do what we want but it's but for the nfl it's more like, okay, the league and the players, they want to get this figured out. They are going to get this figured out. They are committed to getting this figured out. But as we've seen on our Twitter timelines with like Trey Boston and some other players, like they're saying we still have more questions than answers. But as long as we get this thing worked out before the season, the NFL situation, I don't think really, it's totally different from Major League Baseball and vice versa. So I want to know your thoughts on that between both Major League Baseball and the NFL dealing with COVID-19 and how the league and um, the Players Association for both sports have been um, conjugating or talking with each other. Yeah, I mean, uh, compared to baseball, football wants to have a season and, and wants to play football. You know, I think baseball – it was just up in the air because, you know, the owners wanted to have a baseball season, but the players didn't necessarily want to do it uh, because they weren't putting any guidelines out there. They weren't committed to making it a a safe environment. You know, they were just like, look, you know, it's starting to kind of plateau. Uh, Let's play baseball. You know, they're kind of worried more about their bottom line. Not to say that the NFL isn't worried about their bottom line, but, they've been committed to having a season. And, and in addition, football had a lot more time to, to, pre, to plan and 
to, to have these discussions compared to baseball. Baseball was like, it happened like right a couple weeks before we were supposed to get, uh, you know, regular season baseball games. We were supposed to get opening day, uh, you know, I think within a month, a month or a month and a half of when COVID-19 really started to break, break out. So that put a lot of pressure on, uh, you know, major league baseball to get something figured out, you know, because it can't just keep losing money, keep losing the season. Um, so that was always the most difficult part, but they just didn't, it didn't seem like they wanted to budge on having mandatory testing and uh, making it so that, you know, they're playing games in safe areas and not hotspots. NFL and their players association are more uh, together in terms of coming to the agreement and, and being on the same page compared to where baseball was, because it seemed like every time that they met together, they just kept getting farther and farther apart. Compared to, you know, NFL and NFLPA, they're starting to come to agreement and they're hearing the voices of players taking into consideration their families and such. So I think that's kind of the major difference between MLB and NFL. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, you know, there are a lot of people I've been seeing on Twitter for the last few weeks. We're not going to have a season. There's no way we're going to have a season. But, you know, the NFL is committed. The players want a season. They just want – they just need a good safety and health guidelines for this 2020 season while we're dealing with the pandemic. And as long as that gets figured out, which I know there are a few teams that have plans in place already, but if there's like a league-wide – plan in place then that is perfect because that means we get football this year and I think the play for teams especially since especially with the Carolina Panthers like you know brand new head coach brand new coaching staff an entire basically an entire new coaching staff Um, they returned the least amount of starters from last year in the entire NFL they have, they're going to have a bunch of rookies starting. Um, they have a new quarterback. There's so much change with that team. And I think they're going to be one of the ones that are going to be affected very, very heavily by this pandemic because they haven't had time to really be, they haven't had any chance to get together, watch film, um, getting to know the terminology and all that. And I think, Teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens, those teams that are built and have the pieces in place, they already have the chemistry. I think those teams are going to have an easier time transitioning um, during this pandemic than, say, like the Panthers. Because the Chiefs, they got current – Current coaching staff, current players, everything, like nothing needs to change. They can go on without a hitch. Uh, there'll be some changes, like getting to know new players, like some of the rookies, like Clyde Edwards Lair. But with the Panthers, it's a totally different story. So, you know, it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how everything plays out. Um, and hopefully, Soon we get a vaccine and we go back to our normal lives in some way or form because I'm done sitting inside almost every day. Um, I'm ready to get out and I'm actually, well, I was supposed to be in Raleigh this week, but I'm going to be in Raleigh um, this upcoming week while we 
hopefully record uh, the next two episodes of the podcast next week. Um, so, you know, Devin, I want to ask you real quick, how has the pandemic affected you overall um, just from a sports perspective, life perspective, and all that? Went from going into the office every day, essentially, uh, to working from home uh, and doing a lot of Skype and Zoom interview calls, uh, doing a lot of Zoom meetings, uh, Microsoft team meetings and such. Um, so that, you know, was kind of, you know, affecting, you know, my day-to-day job. In terms of sports, I mean, I love watching sports, you know, on, on TV in general. Um, to see that there wasn't any, you know, working mini camp, training camp, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, we typically see for the NFL. It was a little disappointing. And even going, you know, building on your point uh, with the Panthers not having time, uh, another team in NFC South, the Buccaneers, haven't, haven't had time with Tom Brady uh, being in the mix now. Um, mm-hmm. That That's going to be a whole new dynamic and a whole new quarterback, a whole new situation. And he has a new head coach for the first time in his entire career. So uh, that's going to be an interesting situation to watch as well in the NFC South. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just it, – it, it sucks to see. I mean, thankfully for the Saints, they have pretty much kept a lot of their players and retained a lot of their players and staff. Uh, but every team needs kind of that adjustment period, uh, whether you're a veteran team or not. You know, you got to get back acclimated to, to practicing and uh, building down the timing with your receivers and, you know, a lot of players being healthier, returning from injuries. So – It'll be interesting to see uh, when we get our first NFL game, how it's going to mm-hmm. look. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough. A lot of penalties, I think. Um, a lot of sloppy play, drop passes, missed assignments. Oh, for sure. Because, because they just haven't had the reps of time. Uh, maybe. Oh, absolutely. And I, I will be worried about injuries for, for players, too, because they haven't had the time yeah. to acclimate. I think that's another thing that they're arguing for a longer acclimation time so they have time to get used to being back to the rigorous work and, you mm-hmm. know, the, the speed of the NFL. So um, that's going to be interesting to iron out over the next month or so uh, as we get closer to September, uh, you know, opening kickoff, you know. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, the hope is to obviously have sports. I think that it's, you know, a lot of people say it's a distraction, but it's a lot of these players' livelihood and what they do for a living, you know. They – this is what they've grown up to do. With this, is what they've dreamed about. Uh, a lot of the rookies, especially, they dream about shot the NFL. So, you know, we we hope that they get an opportunity and they don't have to wait till twenty twenty one to play a, a down. Yeah, I I'm with you there. You know, when when you were mentioning Tom Brady, I'm like, you know, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might not actually be as good as people are saying they will because, like it's not really because of the talent that they have on the roster. Like overall, you look on paper, they look like they have a pretty good team and they just need a really rock solid quarterback that wasn't turning the ball over to get them down the field and help them score. Because for like for the past couple of years, they've been one of the best offenses in the NFL, but the amount of turnovers they've had has been ridiculous. And mainly it's because, of Jameis Winston. Hopefully, Jameis has a better career in New Orleans, and hopefully he becomes the successor for uh, Drew Brees, not Taysom Hill. Don't get me started. I 
speaking of Taysom Hill, like he's a gadget player. Just gonna say that real quick. Gadget player gets too much hype. Saying he's the future of a franchise is stupid because when you look back at some of his tape from BYU, he's just garbage. I hate to say it. I mean, people are probably going to get mad at me, but, you know, it's the truth. I like being truthful, and and that's the truth. Taysom Hill is not good. He's just a gadget player, and he's just more like, okay, we put him in, and he goes out and makes one or two plays a game. So, I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but just the hype he gets is, is ridiculous. But anyway. What I was saying about Tampa Bay was they're probably going to get off slow to the season. And like you were saying with penalties, sloppy plays, like things might not click early, but then once the season starts getting into more full swing, like mid-season, then Tom Brady is probably going to be like, oh, we're we're going. He's going to get going with Kronk. I mean, he's already got that connection with Kronk. Um, he's going to get going with Evans. He's going to get going with Godwin. He's going to get going with Howard. He's going to get going with the backs um, in the backfield. Hopefully, Ronald Jones actually has a good year this year. I think I, I'm still holding out hope he does have a good year. But Tampa Bay might be one of those teams like they start off slow, but then they really start getting they really start going. But it's a little different with Carolina because they're probably just they're going to be sluggish all year, like. It'll be, it probably won't be until the end of the season until they start clicking. And when that happens, they'll probably have a top three pick by then. Let's be honest. They're on papers, they have some talent, but they don't have a great team overall. Um, they do have potential, but again, not a great team overall. New coaching staff, new everything. So this is going to be a whole new learning experience for many coaches, many players, or basically all the coaches, all the players, all the people behind the scenes. Like this is a brand new experience. And in a way it's going to change the way we see things in football and basically all the sports for the foreseeable future until um, things start going back to normal. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just talk ball and, you know, talk a little bit about some draft prospects I've been watching lately. Um, dude, I was watching Rondé Moore's tape last night. I know you saw it. I'm like, this dude is good. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I've seen some guys where they have him top three. Um, I don't know if he'll be top three for me because I think I'm – It's for me, it's probably going to be Jamar Chase or one to three of Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, and Jalen Waddell as my top three receivers. I like Rondale Moore a lot. Um, it's explosive. And I said last night, I think he, he reminds me of a smaller Steve Smith, like same height as Steve Smith, but like frame and body-wise, he's smaller, but he has that dog mentality. He's faster than Steve Smith, but – he plays hard and he plays rough like C. Smith. Like, yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I was like, yeah. And when you watch more, especially the Ohio State game, where I was like, oh my God, this is one of the best games I've seen from any receiver prospect so far. And he did have some drops. And I think just 
uh, little bit of being a freshman, so new to the scene and all of that. But my goodness, his game against Ohio State two years ago was something I'm never going to forget. And that touchdown run, that touchdown catcher run, where he broke five or six tackles on that play, like that just shows great balance, great vision, um, toughness. Um, and then showing the explosiveness um, in the open field. Like, that's a dude who can thrive on both the outside and in the slot. Um, I was listening to Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sigma and uh, Benjamin Solak. Shout out to those guys. Um, they were talking about Ronde Moore, and they were like, you know, in a few years, if Moore is able to stay healthy, he can have a Tyreek Hill impact. And I'm like, I could not agree more because when this dude is in the open field, forget it. Forget it. Like, he has that 0-60 to 60 speed you look for in wide receivers. When you're looking for the perfect wide receiver, he has that speed. And that's why I love I think he's going to make a big impact um, with his playmaking ability. Whoever gets him next year, if he does declare, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, have you watched him any? Have you watched more at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen. Uh, I covered Big Ten exclusively, exclusively last year, and going into the season, mm-hmm. uh, watched a bunch of his film. Obviously, the Ohio State game sticks out to mind. Uh, but uh, I mean, if you even look at some of the other games, uh, his game against Vanderbilt a couple of years ago, he, he dominated. Uh, I think again last year against Nevada, the, uh, despite the loss. He still had a, a really big game. Um, he, that he, that game was awesome, awesome, dominated. Yeah, he, like, yeah, he's explosive, man. Uh, I love everything mm-hmm. about his game. Uh, obviously, you know, like you said, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to be wide receiver one or two, probably. Uh, but whatever team gets him, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to be a steal, regardless of what position they get him, because you're getting a guy that can contribute in so many different facets of the game. Um, you know, the return game, he can be in a return game. Uh, like you said, play outside and slot. I mean, he's going to be a matchup nightmare for safeties, nickels, linebackers, uh, whoever you put on him. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. He has the speed to get by uh, outside corners, and he has the speed to get by anyone pretty much. Uh, but I, I think what's more, most impressive to me is his ability to make people miss in the open field and, and just the contact balance. Uh, he, he runs like a running back. Like, and he just bounces off of tacklers, and he, he just doesn't go out of bounds. He's not one of those receivers that, you know, get 15 and go out. He should get 15 plus five more plus five more, you know, breaking off tackles and uh, mm-hmm. trying to make a, a, a three-yard gain into a 10, 12, 15-yard gain. Uh, so he has so much potential. Obviously, with him playing at Purdue, a lot of focus is put on him. Um, you know, he, he's shadowed as – pretty much getting double team most of the game. Uh, and he's the best player on their team. I mean, of course he's going to get attention. Like Purdue, they're not they're not a good football team. They're yeah. not. I mean, last year, if Rondell Moore was healthy, I think Moore and Hopkins would have been a great uh, receiver tight end trio. But that, yeah, that roster outside of Rondell Moore, it, it just it does not look good to me. Does not. I think he's he's going to be their best player. He's going to be the reason why they win a few games this year. Uh, but overall, that roster is just not great. 
Yeah, it's not great. They can't. They don't get a lot of top profile recruits. Uh, but last year could have been a trio: uh, Hopkins, uh, Rondell Moore, and they had a freshman receiver, David Bell, who uh, really stood out when in, in Rondell Moore's absence. He really stepped up his game uh, when Bryson Hopkins mm-hmm. kind of waned uh, over the course of the season because uh, Hopkins. He was there, you know, beginning right when Rondell Moore went out. But then over the course of the, of the season, he kind of was forgotten about and, and really flew, like, dropped down draft boards. Because a lot of people had him as top two, three tight ends in, in the class last year in a pretty weak tight end class. Um, and he just continued to just drop on draft boards. Um, but, yeah, Rondell Moore, he, he's, you know, he, I, you know, kind of read of his backstory. He uh, chose Purdue over Ohio State, um, and then he, he haunted Ohio State. Then the very first time he played them, um, so he, he's he's a he's definitely a dynamic player and someone that you know can't be forgotten about in an already deep wide receiver class. Absolutely, and you know, speaking of this wide receiver class, holy cow! Like I have scheduled times of when to watch um, a receiver because it's spread out over days, dude. It's it's over the next week, I am probably going to watch at least two or three receivers a night because it's such a loaded class and such a great group of guys. Um, I want to talk about Rashad Bateman watching this night. Dude. <laughs> this I love him, bro. I love him. I know um, Matty V. Um, I can't rem- pronounce his last name, but oh, Matt. Yes, Matt. Sorry for not being able to pa- pronounce your name. Love you, my dude. But he has him as receiver one. I'm like, I might agree with him. I might agree with him. I've I've watched three games of Jamar Chase. I'm going to watch a few more games of him um, probably this weekend. But you know, watching Rashad Bateman's tape, I think he's a wide receiver one in the NFL. I think he can be a true receiver one at the next level. There's some things I think he does need to have some – he does need work in terms of beating tight breast coverage, um, being tight coverages overall. Um, he does get stacked up a little bit um, in, those, uh, in those areas. But, you know, overall, I really liked his releases. Um, his foot speed was really good. Um, very, um, he's very detailed with his route running, which I love, and I love detailed route runners. Um, he creates separation with ease. Um, he does have a really good catch radius. And then after the catch, great yak ability. Um, and then he has the speed to break away. Um, he also has the size to really just body smaller corners, and he did that a good, good, amount, of ta- good amount of times when I watched his tape last night. Rashad Bateman is someone who's definitely going to be one of the top three receivers in the, in the entire country, um, and he's definitely going to get more touches, more touches with uh, Tyler Johnson gone. Um, I could see him once again breaking Minnesota's receiving yards record for a season. I could see him having close to 100 receptions. I could see him having more touchdowns than he did last year. Like, 
this dude has a lot of talent. I think he's definitely one of the top three receivers in this draft class, in my opinion, with Jamar Chase and maybe Jalen Waddle. Um, I'll probably watch more of Waddle's tape later on, but those are my top three guys as of right now, but in no order. Um, and, you know, Bateman, his route running ability, I don't want to say it's Jerry Judy's. I, I know that's a little spicy, but it, the way he cuts, the way he breaks, it, it's not Judy's, but it, in a way it kind of is. If you, have you watched Bateman yet? Like he, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly like what he's talking his, about. He is so sudden with his cuts, so sudden with his breaks at the top of routes. Um, like, dude, I love him. He's one of my draft crushes for sure. Like, this is – he is going to be one of my guys who will be high on my draft board um, when it's finished up before the start of college football. Um, but I, I would like to hear your thoughts on uh, Rashad Bateman, if you have any. Yeah, well, uh, kind of to begin off, the the reason that I began to know about him, like I said, I covered the Big Ten last year, but Mm -hmm. um, I was watching Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman just kept popping on the screen. Uh, You were waiting for Tyler Johnson to kind of break out last year, and Bateman had like a one-handed touchdown against South Dakota State. That kind of caught my eye from the beginning, and then over the course of the year, he just continued yeah, the, he just continued to get better and better and, and became the go-to guy for Tanner Morgan last year. Uh, the Penn State game really sealed the, sealed the deal for me, uh, having to help cover Penn State for, for my uh, local news station. Uh, we got to see Bateman tear up Penn State secondary. I think it, the, the one route that always sticks to my mind from that game is, is uh, the post-corner route where he completely loses the defender. Uh, and he's by himself. Like, if it was a better throw, he probably scores. Uh, and he still makes a heck of a catch on that play. But th- that just shows the degree of separation and kind of how precise he is with his route running. I, he's he's not one of those receivers that, you know, just has the athleticism to, to create, you know, uh, separation. He, he has a technique. Uh, he understands leverage uh, and how to uh, really press the DB's leverage, especially if they're playing off man. Uh, like you said, he needs work in, in press man. But, you know, in, in the Big Ten, a lot, of, a lot of these teams are playing off press man, uh, you know, off press in general. And especially with Minnesota running so much RPOs and, and so much things like that, you know, DBs have to be back you know, ready for the slant, ready to break on the slants because uh, they, they RPO'd everyone to death last season. Uh, but he showed so much more versatility than that. Uh, I think there was a play against maybe Wisconsin or something like that where he did like a stalk and go uh, and, and just blew by. Yeah, them. I saw that. I, I think I actually posted a clip on it last yeah, night. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking about. But yeah, he he's just so, he's, he's such a fun player in, in terms of like compared to the other guys like you know, people mentioned Devontae Smith and uh, Jamar Chase, Rondell Moore, uh, Jalen Waddle. He has the size, you know, compared to those other guys. He he's big enough to withstand the the jump balls, all, all the all the nine. But he understands, like I said, leverage and route running, and he has the ability to create separation and uh, really do something with the ball in his hands once he gets the ball. You know, he's not just one of those players where he runs precise routes. And, you know, he gets stopped right, right as he catches the ball. He, he can get the yeah, yardage and 
uh, create in, in the open field. And, and he has some speed. I think he's probably a four, 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 five type guy. Um, yeah. you know, when, when he, when he, he runs in the combine, but he, he's not like going to blow you away with speed, but he, he has to, Yeah, he, he, when I watched it on, on tape, like, maybe I was trying to say he has great speed. I, it, it's more like he has such long strides. He just breaks away from defenders. And, he'll, and like you said, he'll probably run like a 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, um, at the combine, assuming he declares. Um, I think if he has another season like he did last year, I think there's no question he declares. Um, I, I see, um, of course, the Big Ten's playing only uh, conference-only schedule. If Minnesota is playing Ohio State, I would love to see him go up against uh, Sean Wade and the Ohio State secondary. I want to see that matchup. I'm be like, okay, you're going up against a potential NFL corner. How are you going to do? Let's see how you can do against a NFL corner like Sean Wade, who I've seen is some have regarded him as one of the best defensive players in the entire draft. And I have yet to see Sean Wade. And I've seen maybe pre- uh, preliminary stuff like from before he decided to stay at Ohio State um, for this upcoming year. And I was like, you know, Wade's good. Wade is really good, but I haven't really dived into his tape. But um, I really want to see how Bateman does against NFL corners. And if they do, if Minnesota does play Ohio State, which I think that could end up being a really good game. And that could be a big game for Tanner Morgan as well. Um, I want to see what that matchup is all about. Um, so another thing I just want to talk about is uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about my Panthers because. Um, when discussing ideas for potential podcasts and uh, when talking with you, I was like, you know, I, I do want to talk about a little bit about my Panthers. I do want you to talk about a little bit about your Saints because you, you have the room as well if you want to talk about whatever. And if you have any suggestions, just, just let me know. But, like, I, the amount of arguments I've gotten with in, gotten with in Panther fans is, like, about Terry Bridgewater – um, some are saying he's trash and all that. You know, I get it. It's just, it's just fans. They're just they just like to talk. But you know, when you look at Teddy Bridgewater's five games he started last year from New Orleans, those were five very good games he played. Very good games. If he had started the rest of the year if Drew Brees' injury was a lot worse than it was and he started the rest of the year he could have led the Saints to the number one seed and he probably still would have led the Saints to being one of the top three seeds overall oh for sure um I a lot of fans say like he doesn't throw the deep ball um and yeah he doesn't throw the deep ball but he does it with good reason He's a smart quarterback, dude. He is a very smart quarterback. He will take – he can hit the deep shot if he wants to. Keyword is if – or keywords are if he wants to. If he sees an opening downfield, he's going to take that shot. 
if he doesn't, he's going to go short, intermediate, or he's going to go with the check down. He's very effective in short and intermediate ranges. Um, he, he's very um, – he's an improviser in the pocket. Um, he's got good pocket awareness. Um, and if he needs to, he'll get out of the pocket and make a play on the run. Um, he's not – He's not the type of guy who he's not the stereotype quarterback um, who uh, stereotype black back who's gonna run for the first time. He's not more. He's more of a pocket passer than he is a scrambler. Scrambler, but he can scramble. Um, and you know, he doesn't have the best arm in the world, but in compare, and I'm just telling Panther fans, you know, don't expect. If you're expecting Patrick Mahomes, you're not getting Patrick Mahomes with a Bridgewater. You're getting Joe Burrow, maybe. You're getting someone like Joe Burrow, who, who's good, but we haven't seen him take a snap in the NFL yet. We don't know what Joe Burrow looks like. But just from, say, Bridgewater's tape from the first five games I saw him to the games I saw Joe Burrow and everyone saw Joe Burrow, I think they're pretty similar uh, players. Um, when talking to Panther fans about could he be the franchise quarterback, fans are like, no, 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 no. We got to go after Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or some 2021 quarterback. I'm like, let's pump the brakes real quick. There's no guarantee that even Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, they're there's no guarantee they declare for the NFL draft. We are assuming they do. I And there's a good assumption that Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the NFL draft um, this upcoming year. Um, but let's not assume about players being available for us, for us Panthers, or for our Carolina Panthers when we could – when. We still got a full season ahead. Anything can happen. Um, Trevor Lawrence could sit out. When talking about the quarterbacks for 2021, there's no guarantee they had to quit. Um, so you got you got to think about the now. What do we have now? What, as Panther fans, we're looking on paper. We're looking at the players that we got right now. What do we have? We have a quarterback who in five games as a starter for for a injury breeze. He went five and zero as a starter and played lights out. Before that, he hadn't started. He hasn't started for a team um, since 2015, uh, when he um, and then 2016. Of course, we all know he had that devastating knee injury that kept him out for two years. He was then um, traded to the Jets. Jets then traded him to New Orleans. Then he didn't start. He didn't have his first legitimate start until um, week 17 against Carolina in 2018. So there are fans that are skeptical of Bridgewater. I get that, and I understand that, but – when you watch Bridgewater's tape and you look at the type of offense that Brady runs, that that's – and also you look at the arsenal that Carolina has, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, um, 
the potential in Ian Thomas, and then you got the best running back in football, Christian McCaffrey. That's you have those offense, you have those offensive playmakers, and then you got a offensive coordinator who knows how to scheme around having bad offensive lines because. Let's be honest, like LSU did have a good offensive line last year, but they weren't that great. I mean, they did give up a good amount of sacks. Like, I wasn't too impressed with LSU's tape or offensive tape or offensive line tape. Um, But is there a chance that Eddie Bridgewater becomes the Carolina Panthers franchise quarterback? Maybe. If he has... The only way he probably can be the Panthers franchise quarterback is he takes this roster and has them in contention in almost every game, which is going to be hard to do because there's got to, and like we talked about earlier, like the teams getting adjusting to all the pandemic stuff and all that. If Teddy Bridgewater comes in and just plays lights out all year long, Goes for over 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, um, less than 12 interceptions, smart with the football. And then, like, there's no question Carolina has their quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater for years to come. But, again, or, or not again, or then here comes the conversation of what if he doesn't do that? What if he doesn't really become the franchise quarterback? But he does good enough to keep Carolina out of getting one of the top three quarterbacks in the 2021 draft. Um, What do you do then? Well, you can build around the quarterback position and get ready for 2022 quarterback class, which could feature Sam Howell, um, USC quarterback Davis. Um, Then you got Jane Daniels, Possibly Spencer Rattler, if he ends up showing out. Um, maybe even Trey Lance, if he decides to stay at North Dakota State. What do you do with the 2021 draft if you decide to stick with Bridgewater for another year? You could go. You could always go with the best defensive player available because they do need defense. You can always go with the best offensive lineman available because they do need offensive line help. If they let Curtis Samuel or um, if they let Curtis Samuel go, they can go maybe one of the top receivers in the draft. Like they have a lot of options that they can go with for the 2021 draft if they don't go with a quarterback. So that's just my thoughts on the whole Teddy Bridgewater against Panther fans and all that. And, you know, like I get some fans, they like to joke around. And they like to just mess around and say, oh, Teddy Bridgewater, you trash and all that. Really, they're like, oh, we're very supportive of Bridgewater and all that. There are fans that just do not like him and are like, Teddy's just complete garbo. And I'm like, did you watch his five games last year? Did you not? If they saw clips of him just checking down some from some dude on Twitter with all 22 tape, and they're saying, oh, this, all this dude does is just check down the football. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just being smart. And that might not mean a big 
big numbers in the passing yards, passing touchdowns, um, yards per attempt, all that. It's just he's smart with the football. He does his job well. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, that that's just my thoughts on the whole thing. Um, do you have anything on your mind with the New Orleans Saints? Um, I, I would say, uh, you know, obviously there's still ongoing debate on whether or not Taysom Hill is going to be the franchise quarterback, quote unquote, or as Jameis Winston, um, you know, and then this, and just in terms of people are going to probably want, once Brees has that one bad game or two bad games, probably going to want to bench him and bring in James Winston, Taysom Hill, uh, even though Drew Brees has been a model of consistency for how many years now. Um, so it, it's always an ongoing debate within New Orleans Twitter. Uh, who is going to be Drew Brees' successor? You know, is Drew Brees going to last within the season? Should the Saints, like, rest him until we get closer to the playoffs? It, it's just all types of uh, weird scenarios. Uh, just in, in general, um, you know, for me, Taysom Hill is not, the, it's not going to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, no matter how much he progresses over uh, with Sean Payton, uh, you know, Champagne obviously was able to maximize some of Teddy Bridgewater's strengths, so people think maybe he can help Taysom Hill, but there's really no baseline with Taysom Hill in general in terms of passing. Uh, he's he's just, you know, you he's just average. out there. No, he's yeah. below average. Yeah, uh, so I, I don't expect I don't expect that to happen. Now, Jameis Winston, on the other hand, uh, I feel like this is going to be a crucial year for him uh, in terms of learning the Saints offense and getting comfortable in the Saints offense and what he does when he gets out there. Cause I feel like he's going to play at some point during the season. Um, just, just based on circumstances. Um, so it, I think that if he can, he's a talented quarterback. I think that people kind of get that mistaken with his interceptions. Absolutely. He, he's extremely talented. He, he can spin the ball with the best of them. He just makes some really bad decisions and he played on the team last year where he had to throw a lot to get them, you know, within striking distance. They, yeah. The running game was inept last year. Uh, offensive line wasn't that great. Um, and you had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans out. You might as well throw the ball 30, 40 times. You know, you might as well mm -hmm. use the weapons while you got them. But I think there's a misconception that because he threw 30 interceptions, which is, you know, still absurd no, no matter what, that he's not right. talented, you know, and that he – can't be a starting quarterback in this league. And a lot of people were surprised that he took the the minimum, like a, a really small deal with the Saints. But seeing what, you know, what happened with Teddy Bridgewater last year, he got the opportunity and he, he made the best of it. And now he's a starting quarterback for the Panthers. Uh, a lot of people, you know, you know, Winston obviously was watching that and, and saw his success. So why not come in to, to a team that throws a ball a lot? Uh, the Saints stole the ball. Right. Uh, consistently top 10 in the league. And, you know, traditionally when the Saints are, are at their best, they're a balanced team. And uh, they be, they were balanced and I want to say more balanced in 2018 than last year. But when Teddy Bridgewater came in on the fold, they, they really upped their rushing game and trying to get him comfortable. Uh, so this kind of coincides with kind of your point. Uh, Bridgewater, he's, he's, he's a good starting quarterback, in my opinion. He's not going to be, like you said, Mahomes. He's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to you know, make incredible throws uh, and, and incredibly dangerous throws. He's a safe quarterback that knows how to 
take care of the ball and when to take his shots when he needs to. Uh, he's not a quarterback that's going to lose you the game with his decision-making. He's going to have you in contention no matter what. Now, the offense may not be moving as smoothly or as wildly, you know, whether inconsistent or consistent than some other quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's going to move the ball. He can move the ball. Uh, he showed that with the Saints. He's shown that in the past with the Vikings. He can make throws down the field. Uh, he can he can convert third downs. Uh, he can go through his third, fourth, fifth progressions and uh, manipulate the pocket and, and get outside the pocket and do that. Uh, and the same thing can be said about James Winston. He just likes to take chances. Um, and with the Saints, let's be honest, you, <laughs> they got Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, just got Emmanuel Sanders, but they don't have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're not going to bail you out, you know, with yeah. ridiculous throws. So I think this is an opportunity for him to really show that he can be a successor because uh, that would be a perfect scenario for the Saints. You know, you move on from Drew Brees, who's been the staple there. You bring in Jameis Winston, who is supremely talented. Uh, you get his turnovers correct. You get a, a really diamond, uh, diamond uh, a gem, in my opinion, uh, unlike, unfortunately, for Marcus Mariota, who can never just put it together in that same draft class. Um, but I'm excited about him. You know, the you know, Saints fans, obviously, it's going to continue this conversation. But Taysom Hill, in my opinion, is nowhere near in that discussion in terms of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's, he's going to be exactly who he is now. And the Saints going to keep resigning him because, you know, he when he's on the field, he makes impact plays. You know, the one, two yeah. plays that he makes, they can swing momentum, you know. If it wasn't Absolutely. for – if it wasn't for Drew Brees' turnover and the Saints just completely falling apart at the end of the Vikings game, Taysom Hill probably would have been the MVP of that game. So he, he's a really good football player. He's just not not a quarterback. A good quarterback, yeah. When – I'm going to say this right now. I think Jameis Winston is the future in New Orleans at quarterback. And I think the reason why he had so many turnovers is people don't – really. People don't realize this. He did not have good eyes. He he did not. He was he. You could see him visibly squinting, and there are pictures of him squinting, trying to see like call signals in college. Like he did not have good vision. He had eye surgery to fix his vision this off season, and I'm like, if this, if this dude's vision has been so screwed up, and he's been putting up these amount of stats. Like, statistically, he's been one of the – if you ignore the interceptions, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, statistically. But if you – but people just look at the interceptions and are like, oh, my God, he's not a good football player. He's a, He can be a great football player. I think going to New Orleans, taking that minimal deal, and then probably once Drew Brees retires, he's going to take over and he's going to dominate. I, I seriously think he can go out in New Orleans offense. If Breeze ever got hurt, God forbid, if he got hurt. If Breeze got hurt, Winston could come in and just do work. He can just go tossing the ball all over the field. Um, you know, I, I was surprised Jameis did take the minimal deal, but at the same time, I wasn't because, you know, I think he did. He did need to go to a place where he he needed to prove himself. He needed to sit behind someone and learn behind. He could have easily stayed in Tampa Bay, taken a 
very short-term deal. And he could have sat behind Brady for a couple of years and then come back and start and just go nuts. But um, but at the same time, going to New Orleans with Sean Payton, with that offense, with that uh, like the success they have had in terms of having quarterbacks or Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater both doing well under Sean Payton. You know, Winston sees that, and like you said, you're like, you know, I can succeed in this offense. Give me a year to prove myself in this system. Let me learn it. Find me to another short-term extension um, in the 2021 offseason, and I'll show you what I'm all about. And then if I do play well next year, if Breeze does retire and I play well next year, I'm getting a long-term extension. I'm getting one of a massive contract extension um, after 2021. So there's a lot of low risk, high reward. If Winston doesn't turn out too well and New Orleans, it doesn't cost them anything. But if he does turn out well, it means New Orleans is going to continue to dominate in the NFC for years to come, even with Drew Brees gone. So um, I agree with you there. Um, I think Winston is the guy to back up Drew Brees. And I think hopefully he can one day succeed him and become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, Devin, I think we're done for the night. You think so, too? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we covered a lot, you know, for this first episode. Yeah. We're obviously introducing ourselves, uh, you know, talking – you know, Panthers, Saints, uh, talking to that prospects. I think we, we cover all bases. Uh, you know, just you know, obviously we're going to, you know, drop our Twitter names. You know, you, know, you can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter at, at RealD underscore Jackson. Uh, like I said, we both write for bluechipscouting.com uh, so you can check mm-hmm. out our work there. Um, follow the, the Blue Chip Scout uh, Twitter account at Blue Chip Scout. Um, and, you know, just continue to follow both of us for, for some really good NFL uh, college football, NFL draft prospect content. Guys, you can follow me on Twitter at JRod Draft Scout. If you have any questions about the NFL draft, um, about the Carolina Panthers, college football, anything like that, just let me know. You can hit me up in the DMs about the draft, NFL, Carolina Panthers, anything like that. Um, DMs are always open. Um, I can talk with anyone um anywhere anytime i'm usually on my phone so i'll probably and i'll probably see your message immediately if not um right after you send send the message so guys it was great or Devin, good first episode i guess hopefully um i think it was a good first episode so We'll end it here, guys. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you very soon. Peace out.